Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 184 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Questions, questions, questions. You sent them in and I'll do my best to give you the answers. Beekeeping Short and Sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Another week flies past and we're into another weekly episode of the podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back. I'm delighted to say that we have some cracking questions from listeners to the podcast. So welcome to the restarting of my monthly questions and answers session. Do keep the questions coming in. I'll save them up for answering each month and hopefully it'll help us get through these long, cold winter months. I say cold winter months, and although technically we're still in autumn, it feels as though we're still in late summer. The pattern of cooler days and nights followed by some quite warm days continues. Just this week, the sun has been shining brightly here in Norwich and pushing the temperatures up during the day to highs of around 17 or 18 degrees celsius that's around 60 to maybe 65 degrees fahrenheit it's been mainly dry for us there have been some terrible storms around um, the uk this uh, this past week and some places have, have suffered from some terrible flooding so i do feel sorry for those parts but here in norwich it has been mainly dry we've had the odd shower but nothing uh, too terrible really I really don't know how much longer this crazy warm weather will continue, but it is gradually cooling down. I keep predicting cooler weather, but as you know, my predictions are normally way off the mark, so I just don't know what to say about the coming weeks. Suffice to say, cooler weather is on its way. It has to be. As to when, I'm really not too sure. Maybe it'll be next week. One thing is certain. The bees are continuing to enjoy this weather and get out and forage. And I'm still watching honeybees on the dahlias in my front garden. And I've deliberately left the flowers to open fully so the bees can get right into the centre of the flower for the pollen rather than cutting them for the vase as I would normally do. I've continued with the major tidying up job at the workshop, which I started rather enthusiastically last weekend. It's amazing how quickly my workspaces get out of control. The last video that I shot at the workshop made me think I really did need to do something fairly urgently. It was getting a little tricky to move around without tripping over my own feet and the various obstacles that were on the floor. And I really don't spend enough time there helping out. So a few hours on Saturday and Sunday morning last weekend has started to put it right and I intend to go back each weekend, spend a few hours working there until I get everything sorted and under control again. One of the biggest challenges currently is where to put all of the boxes that are ready to be used. I, 
I have something like 80 to 100 supers stacked up at the workshop and they all really need a coat of some kind of treatment, some fence or shed paint to smarten them up a bit and then they'll be ready to go. With this in mind, I decided I'd have a bash at trying to make it easier to spot what equipment I have stacked up at each apiary. So I'm going to try to colour coordinate everything. The aim is to highlight each of the different boxes with a different colour so I can see at a glance what I have in each apiary. I just hope that there are enough colours to go round really. You all know I have a wide range of hive types and getting them all painted will hopefully help the various bits of equipment stick out a little bit easier. For instance, I've got something like 200 national supers in total, maybe a few more. So I've picked the cheapest colour that I could find in one of those fence and shed paints as it's going to have to go the furthest. So I think the first thing that I'll do is make a list of all the different choices I've made. The truck has got several pots of shed paint in it after my trip to the local DIY store and if I don't make a list I'm only going to confuse myself but I digress. Once the supers at our workshop are sorted I plan to take them back to the unit or bring them back to the unit here in Norwich and paint them. I was going to spray paint them at the workshop but it looks like we may get a little rain over the weekend so I think I'll just get them stacked up on the dollies and use a broad brush. It shouldn't take too long and they'll be able to dry off fairly quickly. Once I've got them painted they're destined to go out to one of the apiaries and this leads nicely on to one of the questions that I've had in for this week. So thanks Ruth for your question and Ruth Stockley has asked Having cleaned the equipment, how do you store it through the winter months? And can you be reasonably sure that the wax moth are now not interested in the equipment? Do you change all of the frames in the supers each season? If not, how do you clean and store this drawn comb? Well, let's start with the supers. In fact, all of the unused boxes will get this treatment. They're all cleaned out, boxes are scorched, frames replaced and... Here there are a couple of different setups. The supers with extracted frames have been cleaned out by the bees and they're currently stacked at the Fishing Lakes apiary. I also have several stacks of supers with foundation that weren't used this season. These are also stacked at the Fishing Lakes apiary. Add to these the supers at the workshop that I've just been talking about and it amounts to a fairly decent block of boxes. And they all generally get the same treatment. At the apiary, I set down a pallet and place a clean queen excluder on the pallet. On this, I stack maybe 10 or 12 supers. And finally, on top of these, I pop a roof. The queen excluders are always the wire ones. And this prevents any rats, mice or rabbits from getting into them, making a mess of the nicely cleaned boxes and frames. I have had some challenges with wax moth this year, as you know but it's been down to my own fault in leaving comb with pollen and honey or syrup in it. The wax moth love that kind of environment. I do find that any boxes that have been extracted, cleaned dry by the bees and stacked in the way I've just described are normally free of any wax moth damage over the winter. I guess there's just not anything in them for the wax moth to feed on, so they either don't stay or they don't visit in the first place. This winter I intend painting all of these boxes. 
So there will be a little bit of swapping around, but I might, thinking about it, just leave all of that until the spring prior to moving the boxes out to the various apiaries for the bees to fill. I think I'll see how the workload pans out as we get through to the new year. I use the same process for any brood boxes that I have that are ready to use, although this year I will deviate slightly as I intend matching up all of my equipment to see how many complete hives I can make up ready to populate with bees in the spring. Spare floors are scorched and scraped, entrance blocks fitted and these would normally get stacked in the apiary as well and I've got some dark oak shed paint for these so they should be fairly obvious on the video. Queen excluders fall into two categories, the wire with wooden framed ones and the plastic ones. The wooden framed excluders get a scrape and a scorch. I made a huge mistake last year by washing them in hot water and washing soda and the effect of this seemed to disintegrate the glue that was holding them together and yeah quite a number of them fell apart on me through this season. Lesson learnt, those will just be scorched and scraped in future but the plastic ones can be boil washed. The wooden ones will get stacked up and painted. I can't really remember which colour I've chosen but once they're painted they'll also go out into an apiary to be stacked with a roof on top. Spare crime boards likewise will get a scrape and a scorch, a paint job and then stored. I don't find any of the kit takes too much of a beating out in the elements over the winter and should we get a decent period of very cold weather it might just help kill off some of the pests and bugs that seem to love hiding in the joints. I think that covers most of the kit that I have to clean and store outside. The question that Ruth raises of frames replacement is a really good one and like so many questions in beekeeping we're free to choose which way we want to go because there are several different ways that you can go with this. Many beekeepers want to maximise the honey crop that they can take each season and therefore drawn comb in supers is an absolute essential in order to get the bees storing nectar rather than producing excess wax to draw foundation. Supers by their very nature are kept free from brood mostly. This means that they can be reused many times more than brood frames before they need renewing. If like me you have a lot of oilseed rape around you in the spring then there's an inevitable point at which you sometimes miss a super or two and the honey granulates meaning that you have to cut it out forcing the renewal of that comb. Other beekeepers may have different reasons for the way in which they manage their replacement and renewal of wax in frames particularly supers. It might be that they want the wax to produce some exquisite candles or for beeswax wraps or it might be that they don't have an extractor so are forced to cut out frames each season. I generally find that I end up with a mix of supers that need cutting out. It might be that a super full of foundation hasn't been drawn as I would want and the frames can't be extracted so it has to be cut out but whatever the reason there always seems to be a number of boxes each season that need fresh wax foundation before going back out to the bees. Regardless, they all get the same treatment and are stacked as I've described. Linda Miser spotted something in one of my videos and asks the following question. I noticed a stack of boxes to your right. 
each separated by sheets of newspaper. Is this part of your storage strategy? So this was pre-tidy up at the workshop and there were a couple of stacks of boxes with newspaper between each box just behind me in one of the videos. And Linda, the simple answer is no. Uh, the boxes belong to Pete and he's trying a slightly different approach by putting the newspaper in place between the boxes. I'm not sure of the value or if it's something that he's seen that other beekeepers are doing but it's not something that I do or suggest that you do. And I must get him to move them out of the workshop and onto a pallet. Pete, you've been warned. I've just time for one more question this week, and it comes from Ian Haslam, who writes, could you describe some ways of managing the colony for a supply of new comb in the spring? How to set up and feed or use the flow, etc.? Well, Ian, this is a huge topic and something of a challenge for pretty much all beekeepers, particularly when you're just getting started. You'll hear more experienced beekeepers talking about drawn comb and its high value to the beekeeper and the bees. When you're just starting out, you're bound to have some nice new boxes, packs of frames that need nailing together, and some packets of wax foundation sheets. Put them all together and you have a nice shiny new home for your bees. At this point, Drawn comb seems a long way off, but having drawn comb is critical to the success of each and every colony, and here's why. Without drawn comb, the brood nest just can't expand, and this, of course, could trigger swarming. Without drawn comb, supers will remain empty and unfilled. Without drawn comb, you can't give a small nuke space to grow and develop quickly, so drawn comb is really important in helping colonies build quickly, but sometimes it seems like a huge challenge just trying to get them to draw out one frame, let alone a full box. And it's all down to that one thing that I regularly bang on about, resources. Having enough bees and enough food to be able to produce enough wax to pull foundation out into nicely formed wax cells that can be filled with brood or food. Wax is produced by workers and is exuded from wax glands beneath the abdomen. There are four pairs of these glands and it can be produced at a fairly rapid rate as long as the environment is favourable. So wax is workable at something around 35 degrees Celsius and you'll notice that this is the same temperature of the brood nest area and no surprise really when you think that the workers need to cap developing larvae with those wax cappings. So midwinter is not a good time to try to get the bees to draw out wax foundation. It needs to be warm and I would suggest the more important temperature is the overnight temperature. Those of late spring through the summer and into early or mid-autumn are perfect. Wait until the full-size colony is growing really fast in spring and there's a nectar flow on then get a box or two of foundation on as soon as possible. You could even preempt the flow and get it on a few days earlier, but don't be too early. Small colonies can't build comb fast, so don't try to force them. It will end in tears. If a colony isn't strong enough to build comb fast enough, you may find they chew holes in foundation sheets to rob the wax from a ready supply, so don't give them too much in one go. 
One tactic that worked really well for me this year, and we'll be doing it again next year, is adding a brood box as a honey box above the queen excluder, allowing the bees to fill it with honey. Once extracted, the drawn frames were used to build strong nukes or help colonies that needed replacement frames. Adding drawn comb meant these colonies were able to immediately store food and develop more brood quicker than if I'd given them frames with foundation. But patience is the key and choosing the right moment to add those frames. If you have large colonies or nukes, you can supplement them with a feeder. And this is what we do when we move a nuke into a full-size hive for the first time. Just remember the whole process is really temperature dependent and don't rush in too soon in the spring. A final note on this is that swarms are a fantastic wax building machine. Collected and housed in a new hive, given a feeder full of syrup, they'll draw a box in a matter of days. Why not add a second box and keep them building? A word of caution though, if it's a swarm of unknown origin, you'll want to be mindful of the disease implications. But if it's one of your own colonies, happy days. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. Thanks for all of those questions. Keep them coming. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet.